What's up, everybody? It is Wednesday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and it's your boys, Mike and Mish, with the Mike and Mish Show. What's up, Mike? What's up, Kyle? We are back, and what a weekend we had. Uh, man, we had a great weekend, didn't we? Oh, yeah, we did have a great weekend. We threw our first BKFC watch party at the Mohegan Sun. It went very well. We only had a few days to uh, promote it, but, you know, a good, you know, small crowd, but a good-sized crowd. We had about... 40 people there and we gave a bu- gave away a bunch of free stuff and t-shirts and autographed photos of some fighters. It was a really good turnout. And from that 40, we had a handful of them that were like, if we would have known about this a couple weeks out, we would have got you hundred people here, a couple hundred people here. So maybe the next one will freaking pop off and Mohegan Sun will open their doors up a little bit to uh bare knuckle fighting. What do you think? Yeah, we got to spread the good word, spread the gospel of bare knuckle fighting because that's what we are here to do that's right that's what we do best that is right so everybody go ahead and share this stream um share pay attention because we have a a legend in the mma journalism game one of the most recognizable guys in mma john morgan will be on in a second but before we do that of course we got to shout out our sponsors here we go norcom mortgage and michael mish are delivering the american dream to those who serve america helping veterans obtain the dream of home ownership they offer programs that include no money down no first time home buyer requirement 100% 100% cash out refinances, rehab loans. They can help you purchase a home, purchase a condo, refinance an existing mortgage, create a dream home with rehab loan. To learn more, visit www.michaelmish.norcommortgage.com or call 860-884-2103. You know the name, you know the number, 860-884-2103. Call Michael Mish, one of the best mortgage brokers in the country. And you know you want to learn more when you hear that Rhode Island accent, right, Mike? That's your damn straight. That's right. <laughs> hey, you need a our- home so you can park your car there. You know what I mean? That's right. All right. And, uh, of course, our other sponsors, we got Bare Knuckle Corn Snacks. Um you want to, if you can't make it out to an event, you might as well go to barenucklecornsnacks.com. Check out all their different popcorn flavors. Order yourself some bags and sit down on the couch and watch the fights from your home with some tasty snacks. Barenucklecornsnacks.com. And the last one, BK Bet Shark. Go to BK Bet Shark on Instagram. This dude knows how to put his money in the right spots to uh, make yourself some money. Go follow BK Bet Shark. Unless you don't like money, right, Mike? And if you don't yeah. like money, don't follow the BK Bet Shark. But there's right. an event July 1st in London, BKFC 46. He's going to be putting out all kinds of bet, in, uh, bet advice, and he can win you guys some money. So with all that said, yeah. you ready to go, Mike? You ready to do this? I'm always ready to go. Let's do all it. All right. You know, we're very honored to have a guy that we have seen in the in the UFC you know, media scene for years and years. MMA junkie, MMA underground. He's got his podcast, the uh, the MMA Road Show, and we're going to talk to him about all that stuff. And we're going to see where he uh, where he stands with the uh, bare knuckle sport. I'm very interested to see what he what he has to say about that. So here he is, the man himself, John Morgan. What's up, buddy? Not much. What's going on, fellas? Appreciate the uh, nice introduction there. Yeah. yeah, no problem. No problem. We're pretty good at those. At least we're good at those. <laughs> yeah, it's the rest of it that's a struggle, but the intros are good. 
Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> no, no. You know what? You know, we're not anywhere near where you're at right now with 400 and however many episodes of the of the road show and like a million events and, you know, a thousand fights. But we are on episode. What is this? Two hundred and seven, two hundred something. Seven. Yeah. Two, yeah. So uh, I'm I'm Mish. That's Mike. The Mike and Mish show. We've been around for about two years now. And um We've really hitched our wagon to bare knuckle fighting because we saw it as like the newest big thing. You know, when we started our podcast, we wanted to try to do something different. And um, and now we went for it. So and we love awesome. Yeah, no, it's awesome. I mean, I, I really you know, a lot of times I'll, I'll talk to, you know, journalists that are coming up or podcast hosts or whoever, just people that just want to be involved in the combat sports game. And, you know, a lot of times what they, you know, they'll come up to me, John, you know, man, I, I'm a big fan of what you do. I love what you do. You know, how can I get to to where you do? How can I do what you're doing? And I always try to tell them, like, look, you can and you definitely can get there. But what I would definitely recommend is see is if you can take a unique approach, you know, see if you can do something a little bit different than everybody else out there. I mean, just the world really need another you know mma podcast or mma website or or that's that's basically covering the ufc like no i mean there's those, there's already plenty of those out there a lot of those now if you can come at it from a unique angle and maybe do it a little bit different way cover it with a, a unique voice absolutely but exactly man i think you guys are spot on you know you see it an up-and-coming idea an up-and-coming organization you're like man i like that let's cover that and, 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 you know, you're going to have access to to athletes that a lot of people don't, and you're going to get in there right away. So uh, kudos to you guys, man. Smart move, and uh, we're glad to see it's working out for you. And like I said, you're racking up the episodes. Yeah, it's, it's I mean, it's going way better than we thought it would. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at so, first we're like, let's do a show together, and maybe a few of our friends will watch, and we can talk about it with each other the next day. Huh? That sounds like a great idea. Hey, that's a great way to start, though, man. I always tell people the best thing you can do is just get started. You know what I mean? Like, even if it's a whether it be a podcast, a website or whatever, even if nobody ever sees it, but you're just getting practice and you're getting those reps, you know what I mean? That's going to help you just continue to up your game and to better yourself. So uh, to see that even if you started it that way, but it's, it's taken off man. that's uh, that's even better. You know where you know where the uh, like the conduit to bare knuckle fighting came? It was like. I used to do a um, a couple like guest spot once in a while on this local MMA podcast around here. And the guy that I used to do it with used to tell me, you should just do your own thing, do your own thing, do your own thing. He kept telling me then COVID hit and like he completely lost um, any motivation to continue the show. So he hits me up one day. He's like, hey, would you want to uh, interview Shoney Carter? Right. Mr. International. Right. Legend. So I'm like, oh, shit. OK. So I get my phone. So it's my phone and like plug in headphones. And I'm sitting in my garage like this for like an hour. I'm sure you've talked to Shoney. So, you know, that like, oh, yes, you need to cut him off every once in a while. It was like an hour and 40 minutes. And I think I talked for like five. You know, what I mean? oh, an hour and 40 minutes. You probably asked like two questions along the way. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was crazy. And then like I did that. And, and I got a lot of people that viewed it. So I'm like, fuck, man, what do I do? I sat down and then I just DM'd a bunch of fighters and said, hey, I'm, I'm really nobody, but I would like to talk to you. I think my second episode was Johnny Hendricks. Wow. And I was like, okay. And then I, I almost couldn't believe it. I was like, Johnny right. Hendricks, are you sure? I was like, hey, Mike, person? I'm talking to Johnny Hendricks. He was like, get the fuck out of here. How did you do that? <laughs> well, I'm like, I don't know. I, I just asked him. 
But I, and I'll tell you what, that's the great thing about combat sports as compared to other kind of mainstream sports, I think, is the accessibility of the athletes. You know what I mean? Like you're not starting up like, an, uh, you know, I, I thought I'd kick off this NFL podcast and we talk some football every weekend. And, you know, I just I reached out to Tom Brady and I was like, hey, man, what do you think? You want to do like an interview? For my it just won't happen. The accessibility of these athletes um, is really something pretty special. And, you know, especially, I mean, obviously that's the, I mean, both of those are huge gets, but especially you know, guys and gals that are kind of on the come up, man. I always say, like, dude, they need the reps too. You know, when I talk to athletes, you know, that are that are especially kind of developing their stuff, and oh, you know, what do you think? What's your strategy? I'm like, look, maybe in the beginning you're talking to these shows that are never going to get any views, but who cares? Like, you're just getting practice. You're getting in the same way that I tell people as journalists and as podcast hosts and whatever else, get those reps. It's important for the athletes too to get comfortable so that when they do make it to the highest level of the sport and they're in front of these, you know, big media days with cameras everywhere, they're not completely overwhelmed because, man, I think you'd be surprised to find, you know, how many of these athletes get nervous when it comes to doing interviews. They're like, wait a minute, hold on. You step into a cage, you know, in, in front of the bright lights and the cameras and you, you, you go fight. But you're getting nervous about talking to me in front of a camera. But listen, man, it's just like anything in life. If you don't do it, you're not used to it. It can be a little bit overwhelming. So um, I, that's awesome, man. That's that's a great story. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, and it was and it was Joey Beltran that you know we went from strictly MMA talk to Joey Beltran, who just happened to be the heavyweight BKFC champion yeah. at the time, and like we talked to him, and then it was after him. I was getting like bare knuckle fighters left and right on it. And now we get like, I don't know. I know that you're talking to a lot of bare knuckle fighters now. And we want to talk to you about that in a second, but like, had you ever heard of guys like, um, like Lorenzo hunt or, or Christine Faria or, or, uh, Reggie Barnett, any of these guys before BKFC? The ones that came through the MMA world, I definitely do. Like, I am a guy that watches everything, like legit everything. I watch every promotion out there. I watch everything on Fight Pass that I can. I'm, you know, I'm checking out highlights everywhere. So, um, you know, I, I'm not some, one of these guys that just consumes the highest level. And, you know, I hear people talk about, oh, the saturation of the sport and there's too much. For most people, yeah, there probably is too much to watch. But for me, man, I, I'd rather watch a good fight than anything else. So if there's, you know, fights on every night of the week, I'm cool with that. So the ones that had the MMA background, you know, definitely I, I was familiar with their careers before they made it. I think that's probably one of the things that made it the most palatable to me is to, to have these tie-ins and to already be kind of relating to some of the athletes that are stepping in there and, and kind of knowing their history and where they came from. Whereas, you know, some of these other things might be a little tougher for me to get a hold of. You know, I think about like a like a karate combat or something. It's, a, it's super cool. I like it. You know what I mean? But they just haven't had as much of a crossover where I'm like, oh, you know, I remember this guy doing that, or I remember this girl doing this. Let me see what they're doing in their new organization as well. So, um, but yeah, as far as BKSC, there's been a lot of crossover, and I think that's really helped fuel my, uh, you know, approachability to it. Yeah, and what, when did you start with the cover in MMA? Was it like 07, 06, around there? Yeah, part-time 2006. Um, I mean, the first, I mean, I was following the sport from the beginning like the first UFC I ever attended was was in 1998. So, I mean, I was watching from the very beginning. I think the first UFC pay-per-view I ever bought live was UFC 7, if I remember right. Um, so, you know, it was really watching from the early day. But 2006 is when I started covering it part-time. And then 2008 um, is when I made the dive to do it full-time and, and relocated out here to Las Vegas. 
So would you say so? Be so like the UFC started in in ninety three, right? And right. by the time you were going full time with it, fifteen years had passed. And like oh seven, I know that like the Stephen Bonner and and uh, and Forrest Griffin was when like everybody woke up, right? Right. But it it was really kind of like when you started covering it, when like Anderson Silva was on the top of the world and GSP was on the top of the world, and and like all. That's so it took the UFC like really like 12 to 15 years to really grab the attention of, of everyone, right? Mm-hmm. When you see what the BKFC is doing right now, I know that it's like a new age and social media is huge and like there's much more access to everything. Um, how do you see the growth of the BKFC, you know, in comparison to like what was going on with the sport that you cover? Yeah, big time. I mean, as you said, the era is so much different in terms of the availability and, and the access to stuff immediately, right? I mean, that's the cool thing about social media now is you don't you don't need to be signed to a network to, to make sure that your product gets out there. And in fact, in some ways, I mean, look at TV ratings right now. I mean, they're down across the board, even for like major sports for, you know, the NBA and the NFL, just because people are consuming stuff in different ways, right? They're not necessarily consuming it all on television. So, you know, I think the growth is, 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 is pretty impressive to say the least. And I think, um, again, the crossover of using the athletes um, in the organization that do have some name value already. I think that's, I mean, I think that's a brilliant stroke and there's a balance in that, right? I mean, it's not, you know, other MMA organizations have done that as well. Right. I mean, you do get to a point where you have to be concerned, like, you don't want it to be uh, the retirement home from some other organization, yeah. right? And, and I don't think that's what it's become, but I'm just saying you do have to get – you don't want it all to be vets. You want to start developing your own talent, which, of course, BKSC has done as well from the grassroots. Um, but I do think the, 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 the growth of it has been pretty impressive to see. I mean, look, it's, it's a visually striking thing. You know what I mean? It's, it's visceral. Yeah. It grabs your attention. I mean, when you see people out there bare knuckle, it's like, whoa, what is this? And – um, you know, I think they've done a great job of, of capturing it, you know, with production values in terms of the video presentation, um, you know, some of the, the photos and stuff that come out of it as well. It really grabs your attention. So I, I think they've done a good job of, of, of really kind of bringing attention to the product from an early stage. When did you start paying attention to it? When when did it really start catching your eye and 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 who from the bare knuckle world made you go like, wow, you know what? This is serious. This is probably going to, you know be bigger than anyone ever thought it would be yeah i mean obviously like the, the artem lobov and, and coming over paulin malinaji that was man i was a big jason knight fan as well i've always been a big fan of his so you know it was really kind of that early crossover that, that got me in it and i was intrigued from from the start i mean I, I was intrigued from the beginning like really from the launch of it just because i was interested to see how commissions would handle it right i mean it grabbed my attention right away to say oh is this going to be sanctioned everywhere or is it only going to be in Montana? Is that the only place that they're going to be able to hold events or other organizations? Because it really reminded me of, of the journey of, of, of mixed martial arts and regulation through mixed martial arts. I mean, obviously it was, uh, you know, something that was shunned in the early days and the people were like, dude, you can't do this. And, it, you know, it's human cockfighting and, and yeah. trying to outlaw it. So I was, I, I was watching it at least from an interested perspective as a journalist from the early days because I just wanted to see how commissions – would handle it but then again as you started bringing these crossover stars in uh and names that, that recognize you know I, I enjoyed it right away because it was something different i i like combat sports a lot and i like seeing different versions of it you know what i mean I, I, you look you know when i see like Lethway 
you know, where you're adding in, you know, elbows and knees and headbutts and everything else. You know what I mean? Like that's, I I love all that stuff. So I was just curious how it would be handled, but I definitely was watching right from the start, to be honest with you. Yeah. And they're handling it great and and they're expanding. I think we're in, I think they're in like 17 States now. Hopefully, hopefully they're in the twenties by the end of the year. A A lot of people, um, that watch our show and follow us ask like, you know, why isn't it in more, you know, more, why isn't it available in more States? And I say a lot of the commissions I believe are, are like an early nineties attitude towards MMA, the way, the way, the way they were looking at MMA back, MMA back then as human cockfighting, like you said, as some brutal gladiator sport, they're in that, they're in that mind state where they need to wake up because in those same States that you could, you know, hit somebody with a shin or elbow or a knee, they think that's safer than punching somebody with a bare hand, which is like asinine to me. It is. I mean, and, and you got to think just about the logistics of it as well, right? Like if nobody's coming to host an event in our state, then why are we even bothering to, you know, institute the rules and all that it takes to get done, you know? So there's a lot of steps. So I mean, I think, you know, if you look at it and say, well, it's only regulated in like 17 states right now, I don't think that necessarily means that there's 33 straight states that are just adamantly opposed to legislation. It's just a matter of you got to get to it. You know what I mean? You got to get yeah. those commissions to, to have the rule sets approved. And there's, you know, these are state regulated bodies. So there's a whole process for how the thing happens. So, you know, I think that'll that'll come with time. I did notice I was looking at um, because the Association of Boxing Commissions, their annual meeting this year uh, is in Las Vegas. And so because of that, um, I'll definitely go attend as much of the sessions as I can. Um, but I did notice that there is at least uh, one hearing um, that is a, you know, that about, you know, going over the rule set of PKFC. And that's, of course, you know, every commission in the country is all together and representatives are there. So, you know, at the very least, they'll be they'll be talking about it, you know, in front of the, the whole uh, ABC. So I'm interested to see how that goes and kind of what the feedback is in the room for it. Man, I'm I'm excited to hear what comes out of that too. Do you think that do you think that um Vegas being the the you know the home base of the UFC and Dana having such a stronghold over you uh Vegas, do you think that's gonna stop um Feldman and the BKFC or bare knuckle as a sport in general making it into Vegas? Do you think that he would have any pushback on that? I'm interested. You know, I haven't heard him talk a whole lot about it. Um, so I, I haven't heard this necessarily on Dana's radar. It's like, we're going to try to crush this organization out there. We'll never allow them in our backyard. But, I mean, listen, there's only so many combat sports dollars to go around in a market. Yeah. So to have a firm foothold on it, you know, whether it be because he's morally opposed to the sport itself or just because simply like, I don't want somebody coming in and taking one of my venues or somebody coming in and taking one of my broadcast partners. I wouldn't be surprised if they just kind of say, ah, do we really need this stuff around here? I mean, we, we got the UFC. We got Dana White's contender series. We got power slab. We got all kinds of stuff. Do we really need something else to take your time? So, so we'll see. Um, I, like I said, I haven't necessarily heard Dana ever say that, you know, he's just, this, this sport has to go away, but I mean, they've worked hard to establish a foothold here in Las Vegas, so I wouldn't be surprised to hear that they'd like to keep that market to themselves. Do you think by opening up that slap fight market that they may have helped uh, Bare Knuckle enter Las Vegas? Potentially. You know, it potentially is. Hey, if we're going to handle this rule set, why don't we just handle another rule set as well? Um, But, you know, I I haven't, you know, I've spoken to David Feldman plenty of time over the years. I haven't heard him mention the Las Vegas market too many times. I don't know how much interest it is. Uh, to him but if you find a you know and I you got to remember so you know 
the UFC has partnered with uh, the MGM Grand Properties, you know, T-Mobile Arena. They've got to deal with them. And obviously, MGM Grand ho- owns a whole lot of the properties. So you got to start seeing, you know, who who has an interest in hosting an event. So, you know, that's that's one of the first scenarios you got to you got to watch out for, number one. So, um, I, you know, I wouldn't be shocked to see it here one day, uh, but, but we'll see. Do you know, uh, was it 26 years ago in Ve- I think it took place in Vegas, uh, was the Mike Tyson ear biting incident. That was today, 26 years I did, ago. I did see that. How wild <laughs> is that, right? Man, that's crazy. Yeah. Uh, you know, Mark Ratner talks about this. There's obviously Mark Ratner, who's with, uh, you know, with uh, the UFC now, was part of the Nevada Commission at that point. So, I mean, what a, what a wild night that was in combat sports history. Yeah, I, and then, I, then 25 years later, Mike Tyson comes out with gummies, of yeah. the air bike, huh? How about that? That's even better. That, that cracked me up when he released that product. I saw that. I'm like, come on, man. That's uh, that's marketing. I like it. Yeah, I, I like that's one of those moments in sports. Like, I was 15 years old. I remember exactly whose living room I was standing in. I remember we watched Holy uh, Tyson Holyfield one in that same kid's house. We had to get the second one. We were all standing there losing our fucking minds. We're like, what is he doing? Oh, he's yeah. It was just, and then he like spits it out on the. Oh my god, it was crazy, like crazy shit ever. One of the wildest uh, scenes you'll ever see. One absolutely. I want to go back to when we asked you about the uh, what brought you in, and you mentioned Artem Lobov, and I want to say that the Artem Lobov Jason Knight fight was the one that like completely dragged me in, and you had mentioned like the production value and the and the angles and the photography. And it was the photos of those two guys after that fight looking like zipper faces. You know what I mean? They had all their whole, it looked like a scene out of a horror movie. And I was showing everybody that would look at it. I'm like, you got, look at this, look at this, look at this. You guys got to watch this. You got to come over and watch this. I'm telling you, that was the one. And you mentioned that. And the BKFC has um, Nick Vespi and Phil Lambert. They always seem to like, get that shot when when the blood is like flying off and uh and mike perry spitting like that that picture was fantastic it's a lot of really cool photo like you like you said it's really great it's you know it's wild they've done a great job of it and you're right man and mike perry what a star he is i mean he was made for bkfc i I hope they come back together and get everything worked out with this updated contract but um yeah, you know, it's it's something striking about it. I mean, and, and I've noticed this. And just like, first of all, like I said, number one, it's just the visual imagery of there not being any gloves on. You know what I mean? Like that that jars you from anything that you're used to normally seeing, right? I mean, you've seen, you know, thousands and thousands of boxing uh, pictures and MMA and images and all that stuff, but it's that no gloves. And and the truth is, look, it's, it's visceral. There's a lot of blood. There's a lot of cuts. I mean, that is something that's kind of intrinsic to the BKFC game, right? I mean, you talk to anybody that's in it, it's like, look at – the superficial wounds are, are definitely more frequent. Like it's just, it just Absolutely. happens, but it's not as much of the, uh, you know, really deep damage that, that you might think because you have to be so careful with the possibility of breaking your hand. You know, you're not able to throw nearly as many repetitive blows. You, you have to be very careful with the way you do it. Um, and listen, a, a lot of things I've talked to a lot about the guys and, and it's, man, Mike Perry's mentioned it to me. Uh, ben Rothwell's mentioned it to me. Uh, you know, a couple other guys as well that had long histories in MMA they're like, man, the wear and tear on my body in preparation is far less for a BKSC match than it is for an MMA fight. You know, I mean, yes, I'm getting cut up a little bit more. Yes, there's there's a little bit more blood that you're going to see in there. But as far as like not having to do all the grappling rounds, not having to do all the wrestling rounds, not having to do all that, like 
you know, I mean, Ben Rothwell, straight up, he's like, look, this extended my career, if anything. He's like, I oh, know yeah. people may see it as more violent or more whatever. He's like, but it's not. And he's like, the preparation, more so even than the fights themselves, the preparation, all I have to do is boxing cardio. You know what I mean? Like, that's so much different than what you have to do to get ready for a mixed martial arts contest. So it's, you know, potentially extending careers. So um, it's interesting. You know, like I said, those the, the blood and stuff does make the, the imagery kind of more powerful. I think it may make it less palatable for some people and that's understandable like listen i've said that for you know i love that ufc president dana white says listen we're gonna make this the biggest sport in the world and people always laugh at him they're like ah, i mean do you not realize how big soccer is like it, it's, it's gonna be possible for that but i've always said like do you want the president of your company to be like you know what i bet we'll be at least second or third best like no man you want to try to be as big as you possibly can but the reality is there's just always going to be some people that don't like combat sports. Like there's just going to yeah. always be some people are like, not my thing. I can't see people punching each other. Even it, it's wild. And it's becoming less so that I hear, but even as the rise of like women's MMA was on the right, I, I would hear, even hear people that were like MMA fans. Like I like MMA, but I just can't watch girls hit each other. Like it's offensive to me. I'm like, what? Oh, whatever. Yeah, okay. Whatever. On. That's wild. I've but heard that it, before. It, I know it's wild. You're like, what? You like fighting, but you don't like women fighting because you can't see women hitting each other. Like, okay, that's weird. Um, but and I think, look, I think there's always just going to be people that be like, hey, that BKSC man, it's just too bloody for me. Like, I can't get into it. That's the reality of the situation. But um, it, it is, it is unique, and it is some powerful imagery. Did you talk to? I'm sure you did. You, when Mike Perry fought his first fight in the BKFC, what he told us afterwards on here was like, what he learned quick in that first fight was by the fourth round he didn't want to ball his fists anymore his hands were hurting he was like i felt fine but my hands hurt so bad right. i was like slapping him and i kept getting warned about about slapping him and he's like it, the, the reality was that like by the fourth and fifth round it, it was more pain in my hands than in my face i was like wow yeah. that's that's something that not a lot of guys say you know it's true, and it's pretty. And, and and listen, I've heard it a lot to to all these former MMA fighters that I've had, you know, years and years and years of interviewing them, and so you know, getting a chance to talk to them about that, and they all, to a man, say the same thing. It's it's that you know, just got to be yeah. careful. Get, shot selection is imperative, right? You 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 know, you land one punch to the top of somebody's forehead, and your hand's broken, and you know, in, in an MMA fight, I mean, yes, a broken hand in an MMA fight is terrible, but you still got elbows and knees. You might still be able to wrap enough for a takedown like now you're just down a weapon you got two weapons and you're down yeah. one of them you know what i mean so um it, it is interesting to see how everybody's kind of adopting to it it's funny that you bring that up because you posted a palomino talking about his fight this past weekend and that happened to him and you right. see the effect that it has and uh because that happened and this fight wasn't the best fight in the world, really, especially for a title main event. It just wasn't that great. Uh, we earlier we spoke about how we had a watch party at Mohegan Sun. So we are right, we have this thing at Mohegan Sun with uh, Tom's Watch Bar where we're showing BKFC and we're trying to present that to, you know, the masses, the people in Connecticut up here in New England. And uh, a lot of the fights were good. There were some good knockouts. There were some good fights. But towards the end of the night, you know, kind of got slowed down. But then we find out today. Palomino told you that his hand was hurt. So I he's right away. He's starting with one weapon. He doesn't have two. And that's going to be a tough night for somebody uh, fighting uh, Lily, who is undefeated. 
the guy is unbelievable and he will knock you out if you slack for one second. So you can't be going in there with one hand unless you're Palomino, I guess, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's what, man. It was so funny when he just kind of started out the interview with that. It really, I was like, oh, that makes sense because like you guys, I watched the fight and I'm like, man, is, is Palomino yeah. finally slipping? Like he's had this incredible run. Again, a guy that had some amazing fights in mixed martial arts as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, his legendary battles with Justin Gaethje. So I was a fan seeing him, you know, come over to BKSC and then he has this, incredible success right i mean pound for pound number one but like you guys i watched the fight and i was like Ugh, you know and again you, you have to remember i mean combat sports fans of course i mean the fans in general like you're only as good as your last fight right and all of a sudden they're so fickle like all of a sudden yeah oh, wow. that dude's done he's he's gone man that dude's terrible he, he's not terrible he's had some great performances and if anybody deserves a little bit longer leash to say well that was a bad night but especially when you hear what happened to him but it was interesting to hear because i, I had the same thoughts i was like ah well, maybe he's finally slowing down a little bit, and this is going to be the end of this incredible run. But now that you know, no, you know, one of his hands wasn't there. Now you go, okay. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe we were a little quick to rush to judgment. Well, it was funny on top of the main event being a little lackluster, and now we find out why. We're 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 throwing this watch party right, and like people are starting to show up. And the first like six fights of the night all end in like the first round, and they're halfway through the friggin' event, and we're like. An hour in, I'm like, oh shit! I'm like, <laughs> this fucking night is gonna be over before it even starts, man. Somebody's got to drag one of these fights out, and uh, and then a few of them, <laughs> a few of them did start going a couple rounds. But I'm like, man, every freaking fight is ending in the first round. Every and like, not everybody's shown up yet. This is this is uh this is crazy. But so it, what, it, so what I'm what I'm hearing from that is that it's your fault that the main event was no good. You were willing these things yeah, to slow God, down. Mish, it was your fault. fault. <laughs> yeah, my fault. Yeah, yeah. It's you never know. my fault. You know, hey, you know, um, you you're familiar with Mike Richmond, obviously, and and Dave Mundell. Sure. They're fighting July 14th, and you were talking about how this is a sport of precision and picking your shots. And there are two, there are not two guys. I I mean these these two are you know some of the best in the world in this sport at being cerebral in the squared circle. When Mike Richmond and Dave Mundell throw their shots, they are with precision and they land on their spots. And that's why they've been so good in this sport that that main events unbelievable. I know you're familiar with both of those guys. Uh, what are your thoughts on that main event coming up July 14th? That's a great one. That's far. See, I was just actually pulling up that lineup and looking at the card right now, man. That's a, that's a fantastic main event. Uh, both of them, as you said, durable, tough as, as much as you can want. I mean, those two dudes are going to go at it. I like that fight a lot, man. I, I think, uh, geez, that's a good yeah, one, man. That, that's, that's a, a good, good one. That's that a toss a up one. to me. That's a toss up to me. And, he, and you know, what's funny is we just talked to Dave last Thursday and we're talking to Mike tomorrow night, but Mike was just on, um, with, uh, another podcast last night, Bones to Domes is another one, another new podcast uh, in the bare knuckle world. He was on that one and he said he wants Mike Perry at some like. And last week when we talked to Dave Mundell, he wants Mike Perry. It's, it's yeah. funny how, like, you were talking about Mike earlier. Everybody wants to fight Mike Perry. It's, it's like he's the most matchable dude. Luis Palomino said he would fight Mike Perry in a super fight. It's like everybody wants Mike. They do. Yeah, I was going to mention it. I mean, Palomino said the same thing. I, I, I love it. And I, I love it for Mike Perry, man, because he's absolutely such a character. It's so cool to see him become kind of the it guy in BKSC, right? He brings the show, man. I mean, and, you know, obviously he had a great uh, UFC career and, and entertaining, but not necessarily, 
you know, you knew that, okay, I'm not necessarily looking at a champion here, but I am looking at somebody that every time they fight, I want to tune in because I don't know what they're going to say. I don't know what they're going to do. I know they're going to put on a show. And, that, and that's what this is about. And I think you need that blend sometimes. I mean, listen, you know, we all want to know who number one is. We all want to know, hey, man, you know, who is the absolute best on the planet? That's what it's all about is finding out who the best are, matching the best against the best and finding out who number one is. But listen, there's always going to be, you know, others along the way. You know, one of my favorite fighters of all time, you know, Donald Cowboy Cerrone, man. I mean, that guy, you know, obviously never made it to be champion. But, you know, he said his whole career, his goal was to make sure that anytime you saw his name on a card, you knew I got to find a way to watch this fight. You know, whether I'm ordering the pay-per-view or I'm going to the bar or I'm, you know, pulling over in a restaurant and find a play, whatever it is, I'm going to find a way to watch the fight. And you need people like that that you know are going to be exciting, that you know are going to put on a show whether they're champions or not. But I'm, I'm so happy to see the success that Mike Perry is having. Because, listen, man, he's – Look, he had some struggles. You know, I don't know how much you guys followed his MMA career right. along the way, but you know, some problems, you know, in and out of the cage that, oh, that yeah. uh, were haunting him for a while. But it just seems right now, it, it feels like he's in a good spot, man. It seems like he's got kind of his life together, and and the energy is good around him, and and uh, and, and it's cool to see him get the attention and the recognition, and and to go out there and be having a good time. Oh yeah, and I think the girl that he's with now, I think he's he's like truly in love with her. They are set. He's settled down. He's still a crazy guy, of course. Of course, like we, yeah. we, <laughs> we, talk, we talk, you know, he's he's, he's hilarious, and and like he can sell he can sell any event, and when, like leading up to the Luke Rockhold one, when Rockhold's talking, and then <laughs> and then he's like, "I'm gonna headbutt your hands with my face." <laughs> And then I'm going to so knock great. you the fuck out. I was just like, this guy is just, I don't know if he knows how brilliant he is when it, when he, when it comes to selling a fight, but Mike's really great at it. And he had the wherewithal. You just said Donald Cerrone. And from what we heard is that yep. he was going to call out Donald Cerrone that night after yeah. he beat the Rock 41 in Denver. And yep. he saw Connor there and like completely called an audible in there in the ring calls in connor lorenzo hunt is smart enough to throw his belt over connor's shoulder to get you know some real brand awareness there connor goes in they have that moment unfreaking believable for the sport you know being a guy in the mma world that you are on the top of the the media world for the mma for mma what did you think when connor when you saw connor inside the squared circle and doing that with mike perry Pretty cool. Pretty cool. First of all, it just made you, I mean, how wild is it? I mean, how big of a star is Conor McGregor that that literally was like the biggest story in mixed martial arts that weekend. And it wasn't even him competing, you know, it was just him showing up in an organization. So pretty cool. Um, I, I think it goes to show what a fan, like when Conor McGregor says like, I would absolutely love to do this. Like I, I guarantee you that's, that's no hype. You know what I mean? Like I'm sure he would love, he loves, you know, the, the idea of combat sports and the idea to test himself in that way. And I, I absolutely think he would do that. Now, of course, we realize, and I think, you know, fortunately, even David Feldman, I think, has been, you know, in interviews, has, has made it a point to say, look, we know that can't happen yeah, right now. Right. And I like that because because I always hate when promoters are trying to promise something empty, you know what I mean? Like, to go out there and say, yeah, I don't know, man. We've been having some conversations, and maybe that could happen. Like, come on, bro. You know it's not going to happen. So yeah. I, I like the fact that he's saying, no, we're not going to do it right. But – could it happen down the line? Who knows? Maybe. But I thought it was cool to get in there. And, and, and uh, you know, Connor's a wild man. So for him to get in there and, 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 and like you said, for Mike Perry to have the wherewithal of like, hey, let's do a face off. Like, why? I don't know. Like, we're not actually going to fight, but I know this is going to be an awesome picture. I know people are going to be talking about it. It's, it's like you said, it's that subtle genius. Like, 
did Mike really yeah. know how big it would be or did it just happen? And it did. Just, I mean, that's the greatness of Mike Perry. Yeah, yeah. He's just naturally a star. And uh, it is great that he made it to BKFC so that he could, it's not that he didn't showcase uh, what he had before, but now he shines in the spotlight. There's something natural about Mike Perry when, when he says things and he's just being himself before people did like it, but like you said, he still kind of has that checkered uh, past. Rather, when when he was there, it, people it was at top of mind. You know, people are thinking about that. But now he's just such he he he's he's definitely escalated himself to the top. And I really, really, really hope that BKFC can get the job done to bring him back. And and I don't think it would be any fault of theirs if he doesn't come back. But I just think that he's been elevated so much right now that everybody's looking for the money fight. Everybody right. now, Connor, Connor, Chael, son, and those guys, if you don't emulate what they did coming up, which everybody's starting to do and learn entertainment is huge. Yes. It's a huge. sport, but the entertainment is the, that's the top bill right there. If you're entertaining, you don't even need to be, you, you could have a championship fight below you. If you're the most entertaining person, you know? Absolutely. I mean, we've seen it over and over, and the names you mentioned were the, were the perfect examples of it. I mean, it's just not enough just to win in this. Now, here's the thing is, you can be incredibly entertaining if you lose every single fight. That's still not going to work for you. you still got to right. win some fights along the way. But, you know, I think that's one of the things, you, you know, the great thing about MMA over the years, I mean, you look at some of the legends of the sport. I mean, guys like BJ Penn, guys like Randy Couture, like, they don't necessarily have the most sparkling records in their career, but they, they went out there. And they took the toughest challenges and, and they entertained along the way, not to the level of like a Connor or a Chael in terms of the speaking side of it. But, you know, BJ was a bit of a character. But, you know, they went out there and they took the toughest challenges available. But, yeah, to your point, Mike Perry, uh, it, man, it, it, this has been just – it just seems like a match made in heaven. And I think you're right. Uh, you know, I, I think if, if they're not able to get him back in BKFC, it won't be for the fact that they didn't try. It's just that I'm sure he's got some fantastic offers on the table right now. And at some point, you know, you can't, it's not just an unlimited checkbook. Like, I mean, you do have to, it is still a business that needs yeah. to be able to show profit as well. Um, so it's going to be some challenge, but I do hope they come together. This, it just really seems like it's been the perfect platform for Mike Perry. And also Mike, like we just talked about, he has a family now. And I mean, if, if some box, if a boxing offer comes around, that's like some ungodly number, obviously Gotta it's gonna be hard. It's gotcha. gonna be hard to match that. And and a guy like uh like this guy behind me, you talked about some guys don't have the greatest records of all time. I mean, Nate Diaz hmm. is a perfect example of that. His character, you know, transcends his record. His his record isn't the greatest, but he fights nothing but the best, and he's entertaining as hell leading up to and in all the fights. So he's it's crazy. Is his Nate's Nate's fight with Leon Edwards? You know, like going into that fight, I'm like. Yo, this is a really tough fight for Nate Diaz. Like, I, I <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I don't know about this one, guys. But, you know, the press conference, he's, you know, he's firing up a J up on the stage and everybody's like, whoa, that's crazy. That's amazing. That was cool. Then the fight starts to play out. And, you know, obviously it's a, it's a pretty one-sided fight for four rounds. And I'm watching the whole thing and I'm like, man, like, I love Nate Diaz, but it's, it's just weird to me that people are so loyal to him. Like, every, I, you know, I knew this was going to be a bad stylist. Yeah. And then he tags him in the fifth round and rather than go try to finish the fight, he's like pointing at him and laughing yeah. at him. And I'm like, and the crowd just going crazy. I'm like, who else does that other than yeah. Nate Diaz, man? You know, it's only Nate Diaz. So uh, I'm interested. Look, this, this upcoming boxing match with Jake Paul, like I, I'm intrigued. You know, I've, I've been saying along, you know, first of all, 
Jake Paul, I, I'm not one of these guys that hates on Jake Paul. Like, I think you have to respect the effort that he's put in. Like, he's done his best to, to become the best boxer he can be. Like, is he a marketing genius? Is he a lot of hype? Yes. But is he putting the work in the gym in as well? Yes, he is. And he is a good athlete. But, you know, with him, some of his fights I've cared about and some of them I haven't. You know, depending on the opponent he drew, it's like, okay, this one gets my interest. This one doesn't. You know, I, yeah. I'll watch this one. I won't watch that one. I'm all in on this one, man. Like, oh, I'm all yeah. in on, on this, and I, I, I can't wait for this. Absolutely, man. I think everybody's all in on that one. Um, we, we, we're we going to get off the BKFC for a minute because we do want to ask you about your career a little bit. But have you been to a BKFC event live yet? I haven't. I need to get it oh, done, man. man. I do need that. to make it. You, you know, it's funny. I was, I was – Denver, I was going to try to make that trip, but it was kind of <sighs> weird. Like, I was I was actually going right back to Denver the next week for one championship, and I was I had some other yeah. things going on with my schedule. Um, but I need to make it out. I, I do want to get out. I need to fit it in the schedule. I, I hear they're going to be going back to Denver soon. If that's if that's a place that you like to go see fights, and I, I don't see why you wouldn't because Denver's a freaking Love great Denver. Place. Love, Love Denver. Um, if they're going back, I would I would say get the next one because uh, the last one they put nine thousand plus inside that arena and it it hit big time. It was fantastic. and and I don't remember which show David. It might have even been on their own podcast. David Feldman said the next card that they're building for later this year is twice as big as the last Denver card. And me and him were like, yeah. I think How that's can you possibly make something for that. bigger than twice as big as Denver's last one? How is that even possible? But that's wild. He does yeah. keep delivering, though, man. I'm telling you, David Feldman <laughs> will make these teases, make these promises. Yeah. Like, come on. And then all of a sudden he delivers it. Oh, man, that is amazing. You, you got to go out to an event, John, and you got to hear you got to hear it. Because like even like standing right by the ringside and watching it and hearing it is amazing. But like you don't even need to be near the ring to hear it. Mike and I at the first Denver event. We were like way over by the stage talking to someone and Keegan Vandermeer, this young up and coming fighter, the first fight of the night on the prelims, hit this dude in the side of the head with a right hook, broke his hand and put like nine stitches in the side of the dude's head. But it, the sound. Yeah, the combination. It, it sounded like a baseball breaking a bat. Mm. We were like, whoa, yep. what the hell was that? Yeah, and the and the crowd so went loud. friggin' nuts, and then we're like watching the replay, and we're like, that sound came from that punch. Yeah, that doesn't even sound yeah. possible. And then it found we found out afterwards he like shattered his knuckles on the dude's head, but it was unbelievable. The sound's incredible. Yeah, yeah, it's um, the production it's in a, a live event is really great. You got to get out there. But Mike and I just well, we told you at the beginning of this that we started this as as a, like a fun side hobby. We're both full time in the military, and now we're like doing this all the time and we're talking to a guy who does this for a living who's probably talked to you know 5000 fighters in his lifetime um i wanted to ask you a couple like i told you when we first started it was the second podcast that i did that i felt this way i, I felt like holy shit i'm talking to johnny hendrix right who was the when you started doing uh, fighter interviews, who was that fighter that you were like standing in front of or, or, or talking to that you were like thinking in your head, like, I can't fucking believe I'm talking to this guy. I mean, for me in, in the era that I started, you know, it had to be guys like Chuck Liddell, guys like Tito Ortiz. I mean, just the stars of that era. I mean, it, it was pretty incredible to be like, Oh wow. Like I've been watching these guys on TV and now I'm sitting here talking to them, you know? <laughs> um, but I will say one of the craziest ones I ever had was, 
Um, and I was a few years into it at, at the time. So by that point, you know, I think this was 2011, 2012, you know, by that time I'd already talked to pretty much everybody. So that, that kind of wow factor was, was kind of gone for me. Um, but I got to do commentary on an event in Brazil with Hoist Gracie. And I was just Whoa. like, the hell, like, how did this happen? You know what I mean? Like I'm sitting next to Hoist Gracie calling yeah. fights in Brazil. And that one still got me where I was like, wow, like this dude is the, is the reason, you know, this thing all started and how it all began. So that one, that one got to me, but yeah, I mean that era, all of that, you know, Anderson Silva's and, and, you know, like you said, the, the names you mentioned, George, Samby, all those stars uh, at the time, it was pretty wild to go from like, I'm watching this at home on TV to like, now I'm, I'm in here and I'm interviewing these guys. You're sitting next to Hoist Gracie, like, wow, we stole this off the black box. We stole UFC one <laughs> off the black box. That's correct. At my boy's house back in 93 and now i'm sitting yep. next to this guy so right? crazy man. i wasn't working happened. <laughs> i wasn't working in elementary school so you can't blame me i couldn't pay for it i had to steal wasn't it my my, fault. yeah it's my grandmother's fault Are you kidding me she had the black box i used it That's what was amazing. i supposed to do you know what i have one bobblehead on my desk at work and it's always crazy That's awesome. and yeah and i just feel like yep oh there it is right there we have the same one because we got that when he did a little deal with bellator you yep. know, and obviously we live, you know, we've been talking about Mohegan Sun. Mohegan Sun became like the hub for Bellator, you know. So we are right there and they were giving away these bobbleheads. And I was like, this is perfect. This is the guy that started it all for me. So he has yep. a spot on my desk at work and everybody who comes by my desk, they're going to have to listen to me talk about it. So I got, I got some <laughs> behind me, but I got, I've got the Bellator ones right over here on the shelf. I've actually got. Uh, the hoist, the Randy, the Fedor, and the Kimbo Slice. Uh, oh wow, over there. So that's yeah. awesome. We uh, yeah. So do, ha, so you must have been to Mohegan Sun a bunch of times, no? To be honest, I never really went out to the East Coast that much, so I haven't yeah. been there. I, in fact, you know what? I don't know that I've ever been at Mohegan Sun. So when I first started out, uh, I, I I I lived in Ohio, but so did Dan Stubb, and he would handle a lot of the events. Then I moved to Vegas in 2008, and so I would handle a lot of the West Coast, and then he would handle the East Coast. Um, and we had, as, as our staff grew, we had like Matt Erickson that lived in the Chicago area that would head out East. Uh, eventually we brought on Nolan King, um, who was, uh, he was at, at Mohegan when, when that was Bellator's bubble, uh, during the pandemic area, he was going through all that. So now that I think about it, I don't think I've ever, ever been to Mohegan. Wow. And, yeah. and the UFC, UFC last UFC came to Mohegan, I think at Oh five, I want to say Andre Olofsky was fighting Paul, what the hell Montella? was his name? Botella, yeah. And uh, funny story about that. I'm, I'm going to tell this story because I think you'll appreciate this. I waited tables. <laughs> I, I waited tables in this barbecue restaurant at Mohegan Sun upstairs from the arena. And after the weigh-ins, um, the fighters were coming up and eating. So Tim Sylvia was there to watch that event. He was just there in the casino and Andre Orlovsky and his team come to the front desk and they seat them in this booth area in the restaurant. Like 10 minutes later and uh, Tim Sylvia and a few people are up at the hostess desk. So I'm like, Oh shit, Tim Sylvia's right there. I'm going to go tell them. So I, um, I run up there and I go, Hey, these guys here are with those guys over there. So <laughs> sit them close to those guys over there okay they're all together trouble maker yeah so trouble i you know i'm maker. like i'm like 22 at the time so 24 at the time so i i go back and i'm standing next to my buddy dave and i'm like watch this shit dude something's gonna happen here literally like 30 seconds later 
Anderson, uh, Andre Olovsky and Tim Sylvia are like face to face in the middle of the restaurant. People are like getting between them and they had to be separated. And next thing you know, they're going to put Tim Sylvia and his team like in the back corner of the restaurant and Andre Olovsky in the front private corner. room. Yeah, yeah. And the hostess yeah, yeah, yeah. comes back. She comes back to me. She's like, you're such a fucking asshole. She's like, you, you knew that was. I was like, I was like, I wanted to see what would happen. I thought it would be a fun story. You know? He's trying to create news there. There was nobody to record. It was just uh, uh, just the hostess. Yeah, that is was, pretty funny. That's uh, that's that's a little devious there, but it is funny. It was definitely uh, a dickhead move for sure. <laughs> you said it, you know, not me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how about this? How about. You've been at how what every UFC event since oh oh eight, right? Probably oh seven, oh eight. Yeah, a lot, a lot of them, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. <laughs> what? You sound tired from all yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. So you've seen them all. You've pro- you've seen all the best of the best performances. When when somebody says, "What was the best per- best singular performance you ever seen live in person?" Does one jump to the front of your mind? Is there is there one that like really sticks out? It's incredible, man. Uh, that's a great question. I mean, you know, the night Conor McGregor became the double champ at Madison Square Garden, like that. I mean, I don't know if I've ever seen somebody fl- fight more flawlessly than that, especially <laughs> given the stage, given the magnitude of the moment. You know what I mean? And um, that one will always stand out to me. I mean, there's been some amazing fights over the years. I mean, there's, there's always like amazing atmospheres and things as well. You know, like George St. Pierre fighting in the Bell Center in Montreal was always incredible. The, the, the return fight for the UFC to Brazil when it was just stacked and loaded up with all the, the Brazilian legends. I mean, that was amazing. So, you know, there's been some amazing nights and some amazing atmospheres and some amazing moments. But when you talk about singular performances of like some of the greatest ever, that's that's that stands up as one of the, one of the greatest of all time. I have to say this: we were talking at work yesterday during break, you know, preparing for tonight, and we're talking about greatest singular performances. And uh, Mystic Mish down here says that exact fight. I swear to God, he said yeah. that he was like, I think that was pretty flawless. He, you know, because because it was. I mean, I remember I was watching it at my apartment. Uh, you know. Almost as good as your seats, but you know, I was close and (laughs) I remember watching it and it was like, holy shit. Like he's had no problem. It was almost like he had the glow. He had that last dragon glow in the ring and he just couldn't be bothered with being hurt. You know, like he couldn't be hit. He couldn't be, you know, uh, Alvarez couldn't get away from every, it seemed like every shot hit right where it was supposed to. It it was insane. Unbelievable. I mean, listen, you know, Anderson Silva and, and the knockout of Vitor Belfort. I mean, that was amazing after oh, the, yeah. especially after the tension. That was one of the greatest stare downs I'd ever seen in my life. Like I remember like, like shaking with excitement after that. Cause you know, Vitor had been talking trash and, and just saying that Anderson's fake. And the exact phrase he uses was that, you know, he wears a mask, you know, saying that he's fake, he's two faced. Um, and they go to have their stare down and Anderson has his son, hand him one of those like Jabberwockies mask and he puts yeah. the, the white Jabberwockies mask on like right in front of him. I was just like, Oh, <laughs> like, I, I remember literally like, and then he goes out and hits him with that front kick. I mean, just, so I mean, uh, Anderson's Unreal. had some, incre- Anderson was in the matrix. I mean, he really was. Obviously, you know, people point to like the, the Forrest Griffin fight. Um, and Forrest, the point to that is just like a dude. You're just like, I just knew there was nothing I could do to touch him. So Anderson had a couple of those along the way as well. That were just like, this dude is untouchable. And it's a shame because I think a lot of people, 
that are newer to the sport probably saw the tail end of Anderson's career and didn't really see the 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 highs and and that that always gets to be like an interesting argument to me like who's the greatest of all time like well do you get to cut it off at some point like do you get to say like that prime era or do you have to factor in you know kind of what happened on the on on the downside because you know G- GSP never had that downside uh Habib Nurmagomedov walked away before there was that downside um you know so where do you factor in but man prime Anderson Silva that dude was on a different planet man he was just like a, a different level it was amazing Actually, when when Mike and I were having that conversation about flawless, I mentioned Anderson versus Forrest Griffin, and I remember Forrest Griffin running out of the cage like he shit his pants. I don't remember exactly what happened there, but remember he got up and ran out of the. Uh, he was, he was the, embarrassed. It was Bottom crazy. Line, he was, he was um, embarrassed. Somebody in the comments threw one in there that is no love versus Dominic Cruz. Oh, yeah, yeah. that that I is mean, a. Great call right there, because that was pretty damn flawless. And he was popping and locking and really well, that's 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 the thing that, that that was definitely in my mind too. I was thinking about that one going through. I mean, when you're out there fighting a high level championship contest and you're you know throwing in a couple of dance moves along the way as well, just for a little emphasis, that was uh that was incredible. That was one of the greatest performances we've ever seen as well. Yeah, it's crazy. Now, Mike and I haven't been to nearly as many events as you, but we have been to 19 now, and we're learning. That because we are not journalists. I mean, we we didn't go to school for anything. We started this and we're having a blast, right? Yeah, we're a couple but, of stunads. We go out and we talk to people, you yeah, know. We, yeah, a couple of couple of dummies, couple of uh, army guys doing our thing. But we do take it absolutely serious when we do get our get media credential and then we go to these events. When we we get off the plane, it is balls to the wall until we get on the plane to go home. It's 18, yep. 20 hour days. Um, the event nights, you, there might not even be any sleep those nights, you know what I'm saying? So we're learning kind of what this life is like, and I can't imagine what yours is like, but I'm not going to even ask you that part. I want to know what Monday or Tuesday is like for John Morgan after a Tuesday through Sunday fucking mayhem festival. What is that Monday like for you? It's right back to work, man. Unfortunately, right you know what I mean. Like work. that's the reality of it. Like it just there's no break from this thing, and and uh, and and I love it, man. There's nothing I'd rather do. Like I love this, but it is one of the things that's tough is the relentless nature of it, right? There is no off season. You know, I was a, a buddy that um that works in baseball, and 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 you know, I used to ask him like, baseball has to be a gruel. Like, man, I I didn't even know this. Like baseball, you know, they have like pre-game availabilities and post-game abilities every single day and you think that's 162 games it's every so you're telling me every day there's a pre-game media availability there's the game and there's post-game media availability like dude every single day and it's like yeah it's a grind but guess what there's also like three months where we don't do anything you know what i mean like there is an off season where we look to and we have that and there just is no off season in this sport which is beautiful in some ways because like we always got something to talk about. Like there's mm-hmm. always a fight coming up. We all, which is great. You know, we're not trying to fill in like, what are we going to talk about on this show? Like, are we, who could possibly be taken in the seventh round of the draft coming up? Like, yeah. no, we got another big fight to talk about. You know, we got, so that's great. But the, the flip side of that is there is no pause from it, which is crazy. Um, you know, the, the pandemic area was nuts. Cause it was just like everything here in Las Vegas, at least, you know, that that's one thing since leaving a big staff, like MMA junkie with a big staff, at least it's like, I'm taking this week off. You go cover that one. Uh, there isn't that luxury anymore. It was kind of what I'm doing at the time being. So it's a grind, man. It's, it's a Monday's right back to it. Sunday. I try to, um, I try to just keep that as a family day. I try to not book 
any interviews. You know, I do have a son that's getting older now, wife as well. I have an 11 year old kid and I try to make sure like that's, um, you know, that's, that's a family day. I do. And I, and, and I've started to try to change it a little bit sometimes lately, but I'm still basically guilty of it. I will take the first flight home that I can get out on Sunday. Even if that means absolutely, as you said, there is no, no sleep, sleep because I get, you know, I get finished working at like four in the morning and it's straight to the airport. And, you know, there are some times where my wife was like, yo, you come home and like, you're exhausted. Like, why don't you just stay there and sleep yeah. a little bit? Um, but I want to get home. Like, I just want to see my family. You know what I mean? I, I want to spend that time with them. So that's why I love the Vegas events, man, where I can just uh, a home game where I can just drive home and I can sleep yes. in my own bed and I can wake up the next morning and in my own bed. I mean, I love that. So yeah, Monday's already back to the grind, but Sunday I, I try to keep that one for the family. Yeah. yeah when you go home, you got a whole, I, I I've got, you know, I got a whole, hd card uh, uh sd card i mean filled with stuff now i gotta go through so it's like yep. i almost think we should stay a day more because when i get home speaking to the wife she's like well you're home so it's over and i'm like oh I, wait but it's not no. i got like you know i've got you know 100 gigabytes worth of pictures and video right here i've got to breeze through you know it only it takes was... me about you know five hours to get through this and now and then i gotta edit it too because we don't oh, it's 100 just him and i it's just him and i you know so yeah. who's gonna do it if I, we don't do it I, you know the family thing is funny is like i always used to say like uh before we had a kid like i would go on the road and, and i'd come home from a work trip and i'd get home and my wife's like honey like oh it's so great you're here like just cook this meal. Like I got dinner ready for us. You know, this is what I did while you were away. And all I'm like, Oh, that's awesome. Honey. First trip. We had a kid, man. I came home waiting to like, Oh, I wonder what she's got cooked for dinner or what are we doing? It was like, <laughs> here you go. Like I've been the single mom all week long. Like it's on you now pops. Like, help oh, out. That's like it's so good. So it's funny. Now obviously the kid's <laughs> but, 11, so he, he takes care of himself. But yeah, that was, that, was a, nice. that was a funny eye opener for me. I was like, Oh, yeah. life has changed now. It's like when we started going on the road a lot, Mike, um, my kids are a few years older than his. And I had deployed away from one of my kids for a full year. And like I had had some experience with away from the kids. Right. But Mike, we get we go on the road and he, we're like a day and a half into it. He's like, you know, it's weird. Isn't it weird how you just fucking miss your kids? And like you just saw them like at yesterday i was like oh yeah dude i fucking missed the shit out of them but they'll be there when we get back it, it's yeah. really weird it's, having a family definitely changes everything for sure it changes everything it's, it is it is a weird thing because like there's literally no place i'd rather be on saturday night than sitting cage side and watching this action unfold and watching these amazing fights and talking to these amazing athletes but normally but like you know let's say i get into town on tuesday or you know wednesday at the absolute latest but like friday night saturday morning i'm just like Let's get this thing over with, man. Like I'm ready to get home. You know what I mean? And then the action starts playing out and you're like, Oh, this is awesome. But you just miss, you miss your family, man. You, you really do. Yeah. It's almost like sometimes, even when we do these shows, like we, we have one thing that we've learned is consistency. As long as we stay consistent, we're going to do all right with this, with this podcast. I, you know, I think we have gone steady every Wednesday and Thursday at 9 PM for two years straight we have taken a week off here and there for like family vacations or whatever, but almost every week for two, two weeks, two years straight. There's some times where like Mike and I will jump on here at like 20 to nine and uh, he'll be like, Hey man, what's up? I'll be like, uh, I don't really, you know, what's going on. He's like, I don't really feel like doing it tonight. And neither do I. I don't, <laughs> fucking, I don't think I'm and here like, right now. Like literally we'll go live. And then it's like a light switch goes off. We do oh, the yeah. whole show. And then after the show, I'm like, man, that was a good show. I'm glad we did that. That's it. Yeah. 
That's it. I, it's funny. I, I appreciate that. That is one thing that I would preach to anybody is consistent delivery of it. The last thing you want to do is start building an audience and they like know when they're supposed to get their show and then they don't get the show and you don't deliver. And all of a sudden they're like, well, I don't know. I thought I, that's what I'm supposed to get it. I've actually, that was one of my biggest things when I started the podcast. I was like, I'm going to do this every single week without fail. And, uh, it's crazy, but we're on like episode 432, I think, which that's why I, I was just doing the math. So it's, it's 8.3 years at this point that we've done wow. every single week without fail. Wow. We have not missed a single episode. So that pretty wild. is awesome. That's that incredible. Is awesome. Especially we, you know, with how much you travel and everything. I mean, it's, that's crazy to, to have eight years of consistency like that. Um, we don't want to keep you all night. I don't know how much time you have and everything, but we do have a few more things we wanted to do with you. The last question I have to you about you and your interviews and uh, somebody at work today was like, ask them if there's ever been a question that you asked that you regretted asking. Do you, you have one of those? Hmm. I was like, wow, that's a good question. <laughs> it is, is really a good, good question. That is about really a good question. It's a good question about questions mm -hmm. that I've questioned myself about. <laughs> uh, no, you know, uh, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think so. Not, nothing no. stands out. I'm sure there's been something along the way where I was like, damn it. Um, but I mean, one of the things that I've always tried to pride myself on is, um, I, I don't know, asking the right things at the right time in terms of just being appropriate and, and understanding that you're talking to another human being, you know what I mean? And, and like, if you just look at them as like some athlete or whatever, like I don't, you know, it's would you ask that of a person in your daily life? Would you say that to right. somebody? You know what I mean? So nothing stands out to me at the moment um, that just jumps out. But I mean, Thanks. it's obviously it's always a learning experience. I mean, the, I think the biggest thing and I'm sure probably you guys can even attest to this and anybody that does interviews um, will attest to it is that like in the beginning, you do a really terrible job of actually listening to the answer and making sure that you're actually building off of it. And that's a skill that just that comes with repetitions. Like in the beginning, you're just like so worried about making sure that you get to your next question and, mm -hmm. and you're nerd and you're not, and you go back and you like, you listen to the audio or something. You're like, Oh man, they said this. Now I should have really should followed, have followed up here. Yeah. And my yeah. gosh, what a thing this yeah. was, we could have riffed off of, but in the beginning, you're just so like, I got to get through this. And, and that's just a skill that comes with time. And so I've, I've definitely made those mistakes in the early days for sure. Yeah, that's yeah, for sure. And and like when we when we first started, we were like really like trying to come up with like a, a not like a more like a game plan, right? Like like bullet points that we're going to go through every episode, I whatever, for the episode. We're going to prepare for it and we're going to do it. And like now I don't know if it's just repetition or whatever. We just wing it every single time. <laughs> I feel like I feel like it's it's a realer conversation. And if we just shoot from the hip and uh, like we will talk at work. Right. Because like, yeah, that's Mike all are, we do. That's how we prepare. We just talk yeah, to each we other. We talk at work. And then for hours, nothing's nothing's written down. Like we probably should. We'd probably be better if we did that. But <laughs> but. We talk about it enough at work that we're know what we're going to talk about, and then we just do it. So it seems... if it's something that if it's something that you truly love and something that you're truly passionate about, then you can do that because it is literally like what you would be doing anyway. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like I would be I would be talking about mixed martial arts and combat sports, whether it was my job or not. So um, yep. it makes it easy. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It's when it's not when it's not your true passion when it's just something you're doing because you're you know you you, you somehow were assigned this sport as your job or whatever. Um, then I think at that point, like you know, preparation and, and making sure you're buttoned up, but it was just something you love and you're, you're, you're doing. I mean, I, I think you can go, you know? 
Yeah, I to to go and to go back to your what you were saying, like yeah, when you start off, you're not really listening to somebody's answer, and and you're not trying to build off of that and create a conversation. I remember when we first started together, it was like, all right, Kyle's going to talk, then I'm going to talk, and then Kyle's going to talk, and then I'm going to talk, and then, and it's go back and forth, back and forth, and it was it was almost like we were canned, 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 canned. You know, everything was, hey, we're going to do this, then you're going to do that, and then if it's you know, and it. The thing is, like, conversation isn't perfect. Nothing's perfect. So how can you go by this script? Because the other person doesn't have the script, you know? So you can't go off of this. It's yeah. crazy. 100%. I think it's that's trash. smart. And I and I, as I said, for, for broadcasting of any kind, I mean, I know there's certain situations where it's got to be perfect and buttoned up. But, like, you know, just to help alleviate the nerves or whatever, like, it's conversation. You know what I mean? If you right. mess up a little bit, if you say a, a wrong word or you mention something wrong, like, that mean that doesn't happen in your normal life like in normal conversations people don't stutter over their words from time to time or say the wrong thing you go like oh i didn't mean that you know what i mean so like get the let let the nerves go like it's just a conversation and it's something you love and it's something you care about so you're gonna be fine it's awesome yep. man um i want to ask you a couple uh ufc questions because 90 percent of our focus is on bare knuckle these days but um couple questions all right first one how good is uh, Ilya Tapora, and is that the guy that's going to finally knock uh, Alexander Volkanovsky off his mantle, or is or, or is or should Alex worry about his next fight? Ilya's really, really, really good. Um, he's an A plus athlete, as you can see. And I've, I've been very high on this kid since he came in, and I think that last performance you saw, you know, kind of really opened some yeah. eyes, maybe that weren't on that Ilya Tapora bandwagon. He is really, really good. I think he's the complete package. Um, in terms of fighting skills. And I also think he's quite marketable as well. You know, he's kind of got that little swagger to him. He's got, yep. you know, he's, he's got some top-level Spanish soccer players showing up. I mean, he's got the reach there. So he's really good. Is he the one to take out Volkanovski? I don't know. That's a tough order, man, because Volkanovski is also really, really good. But what I can tell you is I really want to see the fight, man. I think it'd be a phenomenal fight. I'm not ruling Yair Rodriguez out next week. I mean, Yair is, is incredible. He does amazing things. I mean, I think overall you'd say that you know, Alexander Volkanovsky is the more well-rounded fighter, and he's a pretty sizable favorite according to the odds makers for a reason. But Yair is capable of doing some crazy, crazy oh things. So I'm, I'm not necessarily just looking yeah. past Yair Rodriguez by any stretch. Um, but the idea of Volkanovsky and Toporia to me sounds like an absolutely phenomenal fight. That that performance by him last weekend was damn near flawless. We were talking about yeah. flawless victories earlier. That, you know, recency bias, that might be in the conversation as well because he was phenomenal in that fight. And Josh Emmett, I mean, there was a, it was a 10-7 round in there. You know what I mean? Like, unreal. Um, I love it. But, and Josh Emmett's toughness. I mean, how about that? Yeah. The doctor comes in before round Crazy. five. is like, are you sure you want to fight? And he's like, yeah, yeah, let's go. And then he signals <laughs> to the crowd. It's like, let's do this. You know, like, come on, man. Yeah, it's uh, it was an unbelievable performance. I heard something on – the on Sirius XM, these guys were talking about this, and I couldn't believe that this is an actual rumor. And maybe you can fucking squash this rumor for us, or maybe it has some legs. Ronda Rousey returning to MMA, or is that just is that a social media drummed up rumor? I do. I think that's a social media thing. I just, to be honest with okay. you, man, Ronda. Rhonda came in and I mean, it's amazing. A lot of people want to rewrite history because of the way her career ended, but like, I cannot explain to you how big of a star she was. I mean, you lived it, yeah. but I mean, I oh, was yeah. living it up close and it was, it was unbelievable, but I just think she got so soured on the sport. 
um, and the way things ended. I, I just can't see her coming back. I just don't think she wants to be subjected to it again. Again, you know, things change. You know, surprises happen, but I, I just don't think that happens. When I, when I heard this rumor, she's well, she's 36 now, which isn't old, old, but she's been out of the game for a while. And she's been pretty successful with WWE. Like, why would she come back? I I heard that rumor and was just like, no, that no, nah, she's that, financially she has absolutely zero need to do it. No but on reason. top of that, you know, you know, on top of that, she just doesn't have the passion to do it anymore. It's, her right. passion is elsewhere now. Um, Connor and Chandler, is that ever going to happen? Is that something that um is a is a ship that's sailing away? What's the story on that? I just think it's going to happen on the timeline. Connor wants it to happen. I mean, Michael Chandler, I guess at some point has to decide if he wants to keep waiting or not. Uh, I mean, there's, there's the whole issue of course that he's got to be in, in uh, enrolled in the USADA drug testing program again for six months to the best of our knowledge. He has not uh, re-enrolled at this time. We certainly know that he hasn't had any tests uh, because USADA hasn't posted any results. So, uh, and now, I mean, I, I don't know if you remember a few weeks back, I was talking to USC president Dana White, you know, in a post-fight press conference. And I was like, what's going on? And, you know, he started laying the groundwork then. You know, it's like, hold on, we got the ultimate fighter going on. We know they're supposed to fight. What, what's up with the announcement? He's like, well, you guys got to understand. I mean, Connor's got a lot of money, and it's, yeah. it's tough to get these guys back together. And I'm just sitting there going, oh, like, oh man, yep, where is this? Nice. You know, clearly this is not good. This Doesn't might not happen. Not yeah, and now you got Michael Chandler saying, well, you know, maybe first quarter next year. So I'm holding out hope it happens. Um, you know, I do truly believe Connor wants to fight again, and. And um, but he's going to do it on his timeline, man. He's not going to do it in anything other than the way he feels most comfortable. So uh, it does seem that this December date's not going to happen. And I guess we're looking to, to Q1. So I'm holding out hope, uh, but it's it's a cautious hope. I'm not I'm not writing it off just yet. But, man, it just keeps not happening. Yeah. And I mean, I wonder how the do you, do you guys like does anybody know, like as the show's going on, how the how the uh, ultimate fighters doing as far as ratings go? Is that? Do you yeah, hear that yeah, it's the doing numbers, well? Is it doing well? It's doing okay. I mean, listen, num- again, television numbers are, are down. You know what I mean? It's averaged around yeah. like 300,000 an episode. But, you know, that doesn't include the streaming numbers that we don't have access to. So it's it's really kind of a weird thing when you talk about TV ratings now because it's just TV ratings aren't what they once were, especially when you can, you know, deliver so much through streaming, which we don't have access to those numbers. So, um, you know, it, it doesn't seem to be doing gangbusters, but, um, you know, everybody seems to be happy with it. And last one on the UFC for us is uh, John Jones. When when do we see John back in there defending the heavyweight title? Do you know? I, I mean, mean any, I tar- any conversations? Yeah, I mean the target is November Madison Square Garden. Um, you know that's the that's the idea. But uh, you know, and we still got time, right? I mean, we're still five months out from that. I guess four and a half at this point. So there's still time, but we haven't heard an announcement yet. But that I mean, the the idea was, you know, John Jones in Madison Square Garden in November. Conor McGregor in Las Vegas in December, which would have been a, a heck of a uh, into oh, the man. year for the USC. Doesn't look like we're going to get Conor. Hoping we do get John Jones, so um, we'll see how it plays out. But that's that's that kind of the, the idea right now. Awesome, man. I, I mean, we used to be such diehard UFC fans, and we still are. We still watch Definitely as much are. as we can. It's just like we're so busy with with bare knuckle now that yeah. uh, it's we're putting. Hard. We're, you know, we're going 100% into it. And <laughs> yeah. every waking moment of our life, as you know, covering, you know, UFC and MMA is there's just news. Like you said, it's year round. So you don't get a break. It's show, show. And then the weekend happens and it's keep up with the news. 
and try to report on it as much as we can go to an event just like you know it's just all the time we want to be the people that everyone goes and says oh mike and miss said that this is going on this is where people want to come to hear about the fighters you know that's we've got to know everything all the time i mean you know smart play but like I said from the beginning, it's a smart play, man, and and, uh, and it's cool that you guys are diving fully into it. And I think it's a great example for for other people out there that you know, you know. Again, I mean, if MMA is your sole passion, you're like, I don't even like any of this other stuff. I'm not telling you to go cover something you don't like, but you know, whether it be like a local organization or whether it be a different organization, like just you know, diving yourself, be like being the number one source. You know, obviously for us here in the states, it's one thing, but I always say like for international markets, like be like the leading source for anything MMA in your country. You know what I mean? Like cover it right. different than anybody else. Be the guy that knows everything about that. You know what I mean? Like that, that's, that's providing real value, um, you know, to your, to your readers, to your viewers, to whatever. So um, kudos to you for to what you guys are doing. And yeah, I get it, man. It's still, it's, it's tough to watch everything. There's a lot going on out there. It's tough to watch everything. Oh I, I mean, this is all I do and it's still a struggle for me to yeah. watch everything. So uh, it, it's a challenge. It's crazy. I, I do you still get to like um to like smaller uh, shows? Do you do you still go to like local shows as well when you're not busy with the UFC? You'll go check Are you out. You host C C is it yeah, CFFC? So, so there's CFFC. a couple different organizations I do commentary for. Yeah, CFFC um on USC Fight Pass. I do that with CM Punk. Uh, I started the last couple Wild. months doing Fight League Atlantic, which is a, a growing uh, organization out in Canada. Tough Enough, which is an organization that's here in Las Vegas. Um, actually, I got to see like Ronda Rousey come through as an amateur and, and, and some others, you know, names that came through there. But um, they did amateur shows for years. And now they're actually doing pro-am shows and the pro is on Fight Pass. So I do a lot of commentary as well. And I love it, man. I absolutely love it. I love it. As much as I love the UFC uh, and, and covering those events or, or Bellator or PFL or one championship or the major organizations, like I still love seeing like the up-and-coming talent and, and seeing – somebody in the early stages of their career and watching chasing their dream and seeing it become a reality and like there's nothing i get happier about than like calling a guy's fight at cfsc and then you know six months later i'm interviewing them at, at at the apex for media day or something like that like it to me it's so cool i, I love seeing people achieving their dreams yeah yeah that must be That's, awesome i mean you just mentioned like for you to see ronda rousey in her startup in like tough enough and then and then she went on to be like a Mount Rushmore type fighter. You know what I mean? It's just incredible. I, we used cool. to have right down the street from my house used to be the Yankees double A affiliate in the, in the mid nineties. And like, I got to see uh, Mariano Rivera and Jorge Posada and Alfonso Soriano. And like all these guys that never Jeter, I never saw Jeter, but I did get to see like Yankee greats that were coming down. But the ones like you said, like, Alfonso Soriano and Jorge Posada, these guys went on to do really big things with the, with the with the New York Yankees. And although I'm a diehard Red Sox fan, they were five minutes down the street from my house. So I really enjoyed watching these young baseball studs before anybody knew them. That was very cool. It must be. I great. love it. It's so cool, man. You see that talent. And you're like, oh, there's something there. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I can see that. Like, let's see where this goes. You know, so I, I still love that. Absolutely love it. You know the one, the one Yankee that came through that double A affiliate down the street from my house, Ruben Rivera. It was Mar- Mariano Rivera's cousin, right? Ruben Rivera was supposed to be the next big center fielder. He was like the Ken Griffey Jr. coming up through. He made it to the bigs, and then you know what he's known for? Stealing Derek Jeter's glove and selling it. <laughs> <laughs> like There's what a an asshole! Yeah, like what a, a 
what an absolute dipshit i guess he like really like went down the wrong path or whatever but uh yeah that's that is pretty funny we're gonna speed round you real quick we do this at the end of every show with every guest and we've had you for an hour and 15 minutes you are the man john thank you for giving us an hour and 15 minutes of your time but we're gonna ask you 10 questions they're quick questions you travel as much as anybody i think i've ever talked to in my entire life number one question biggest airplane pet peeve what is it Oh, people putting their feet up, man. Like taking their shoes off or whatever and then putting their feet like up on the wall or the chair in front of them. Like, what are you doing, oh. bro? This ain't this ain't your house. Unbelievable. <laughs> and unacceptable. 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 It's not okay. Not happening. <laughs> I don't not on my plane. Not on my no. plane. No, no, no. Number two, Mike. Favorite martial arts movie of all time. Blood sport. Blood sport, man. That was that was incredible, man. I think I think that was as I was uh kind of still a kid but uh that that was you know that was kind of a basis for mixed martial arts in a lot of ways right i mean it's all these yeah, different really, styles meeting yeah. each other you know what i mean Kumite, so, baby yeah the Kumite, okay, that, USA, dim mock, that death touch <laughs> and um and matter of fact that was the first rated r movie that i allowed my kids to watch when they That's were growing awesome. up because awesome. it is a rated r movie but there's like two f-bombs and it's, yeah it's, it's fantastic yeah. number three who is your favorite ted lasso character Oh man, I love that show, man. I, I really did. I, I soccer is actually one of my favorite sports, but that I was telling somebody the other day that just finished watching it that like you don't really need to know anything about soccer or care about soccer to just enjoy that show. I love it. I mean, Ted himself obviously is a phenomenal character. Um, dude, I love the whole ensemble though. His assistant coach is hilarious as well. But you gotta go, Ted. Wow, I just, just that's beard. one of the greatest characters. Beard. Yeah, yeah. of course, man. Of course. But Ted, um, Ted you know man, who my I, favorite I is is Roy Kent. Roy Kent's amazing as well. I mean, the whole the 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 final series of everything was phenomenal. The way it all played out and him kind of oh. evolving I am, and growing. Yeah, what? I'm. I actually am on like the fourth episode. I just started mm -hmm. the other day, uh, and I keep seeing Ted Lasso everywhere. I'm like, what is this Ted Lasso? You know, so and good, so good. I'm I love that series. I, I'm telling you guys, anybody that hasn't seen this show, go on YouTube, look up Roy Kent bullies and Roy's description on how to handle a bully in the third season where he talks about going into the room at 4 a.m. with a thick rope dipped in red paint and then you beat them in their sleep <laughs> until they wake up and they mistake the paint for blood then you laugh long and hard and then you continue to beat them I fucking thought that was the funniest unbelievable all right number four favorite location to cover an event i think you might have answered this earlier kind yeah. of well well i mean home. vegas is nice because it's home <laughs> yeah. um, but uh i will say we had some great nights in brazil uh rio de janeiro especially because uh you know you would get done and then you would just kind of walk out like the, the host hotels would be like on the beach you just walk across the street and you sit on the beach in a plastic chair with one dollar ice cold beers and the and, and the oh. breeze coming in, not to mention just the passion that um, they have for the sport of mixed martial arts. So um, I haven't gone down there long. I did twenty nine times to Brazil. Wow! Um, and uh, we had some pretty cool nights down there. That's incredible. Twenty nine trips to freaking Brazil. That sounds unreal. How about follow up question? That sketchiest location you ever covered in the event? <laughs> you know, I put myself in some very sketchy situations. Uh, <laughs> I, I would say that. You know, most of the places the events have been have been fine.
But uh, I have uh, Brazil would probably also be a good place to answer for that as well. Like, I have, Same answer. That's great. Yeah, I have actually put myself into some pretty dumb situations where the next day I'm like, "What were you thinking, you moron?" Like, and especially like, uh, I I am not afraid to have a few too many frosty beverages, and I don't exactly have the greatest volume control with my voice. Um, so I was just that's like great. a walking target to get taken out. But uh, yeah, also, oh, that's also great. Brazil. So favorite location and sketchiest location, same answer. I love it. All right, number six, here we go. Will the Raiders win a Super Bowl now that the best, greatest player in the history of the NFL and football in general, Tom Brady, is involved in the organization? You know what? I, I will not pretend to be an NFL expert by any stretch of the imagination, but I would like to see it. I think it would be cool. Um, I, I am born and raised in Dallas, so I'd still be a Cowboys fan at heart. Um, it is weird. Like, you know, I moved here in 08. There was no professional sports. We got the Golden Knights, but that was different. Like, that was an expansion team, and that was a new team. And so, like, the community really embraced it. And then there's also the connection to the tragedy and stuff that happened during their season. There's, there's, a, there's a lot of ties to the community outside of just that. But the Raiders is kind of weird because it's like we stole somebody else's team. You know what I mean? But, but, it's <laughs> yeah. still, I would, but I would still like to see it for the community. I've been here for 15 years. I'm not leaving. So this is my town now, so I'd love to see it. Um, and I, I mean, listen, if Brady's involved, I, I, you may hate the Patriots, if you, but come on, man. You can't deny the greatness. Everywhere he goes, I love the Patriots. they win titles. Nope. You know, he gave us 20 years of, uh, of the best years of my oh life, my I'm telling you. And, and people that bust my balls about being a Patriot fan, I'll be like, listen, dude, I'm 41 years old. I lived through the dark ages of the New England Patriots. <laughs> I earned the Tom yeah. Brady era. Oh, and yeah. I appreciate those 20 years and I'm not mad at him for leaving. I'm okay. I'm yeah. so much joy really in those two decades, left. you know, that's all. Awesome. All right. Number seven. Do you think a Conor McGregor bare knuckle fight could ever happen? I think you might answer that earlier. Maybe. Yeah, we touched on it, but, but I'll, but I'll, I'll reiterate over. it. Yeah. I'll reiterate. I think it absolutely could. I mean, um, when, I mean, it's look, he'd have to get all the way through his contract because if he retires with fights left on his deal, like the UFC is not just going to let him go. Um, right. So there'd have to be a lot of steps to to take, you know. But um, I would I would say maybe I would, I would give it. I think it absolutely could happen. Man, when he said it in the when he said it in the ring, that was one thing. And then he did the interview with Ariel Hawani out in Ireland, and he was so adamant about how into that sport he was and how like it's impossible to have a a boring match. And yeah, I'd be into this. I'd be into it. I was starting to believe it too, but he does have to play out his contract and they have to let him go. There's I mean, a I'll, whole, there's a whole lot of hurdles to get there, but as far yeah. as just a, being a willing participant who wants to do it. Absolutely. Now you might have to give him like 40% of the company for it to happen, but I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I mean, think there is a possibility. Shit. They might let him buy in at that point. If, yeah. <laughs> if, yeah. Maybe the Feldman's are ready to like, okay, Hey, we're done yep. with the company. We'll give some of it to Connor and someone else. Take off right into the sunset. It. There you That's go. It. All right. Number eight. I don't know if you even watch this show. Go ahead, Mike. Do you think Tony Soprano died when they went to black? Yes, I think he absolutely did. And I, I, I hated that ending. I did. I was a religious Sopranos watcher back in the day. And, you know, this was back before you could binge watch everything. I mean, you had yeah. to wait till Sunday, Sunday night, oh, yeah. you know, to, to watch it. And I remember building up to that finale so much. And I'm like, you have got to be effing kidding me, dude. Like what? Uh, but yes, everything in me tells me that uh, he dead. got whacked that night. Yeah, it, he's dead. It is. It's interesting to me 
to see how people who watch the show when it was out, like you're saying, what they think about it. I binged it only like not even two years ago, which is weird. I saw episodes here and there, you know, parties, whatever, friends' houses. They had the DVD collections, whatever. When I watched it, I thought it was a brilliant ending. I was like, wow, that is so smart. That was great. But I watched it from beginning to end, and I can't lie. I kind of knew a lot of stuff that was going to happen, too. And then the very next day, that's when The Many Saints of Newark was released, which was just like a perfect way. And I rolled right into it. And although I didn't think that that was a great movie per se, I thought that it was good because i just got done with the season and uh you know i mean the whole the whole series and i have all this all these easter eggs now to just find (laughs) in this hour and a half little film that they made and i thought it was great i was like oh my god look at it varsity player like that i was like this is awesome i love this Uh, yeah and you know the many saints of newark i was i was one of the biggest i mean i'm i'm with you guys i was like a diehard page i mean a diehard sopranos fan through and through, I got I got a autograph photo of the whole cast on my wall downstairs. My 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 dad's buddy bought it for me for Christmas because he thought I needed it. But that movie, what to me, seemed like an like a pilot episode for a new series. And they what they should have done is instead of making that a film, they should have made that like a direct to HBO film as a patriot as a pilot to a new series, you know, chronicling the early lives of Tony and, and Silvio and those guys that if they would have went that route, nobody would have been pissed off about that. Yeah. Yeah. About that movie, you know? Yeah. God bless Tony Soprano. Two more. What do you think is something that everybody lies about? And if they say they don't, they're lying. (laughs) I don't know. That's a crazy question. That's funny. Um, That's something that everybody lies about. I don't know, man. Yeah. You know, there's something too, like, cause I know this question and I don't really think about this too much. Uh, I know as soon as this show ends, I'm going to be like, ah, I got an answer. It's going to happen. What is it, Kyle? Um, do you floss every day? When your dentist, <laughs> when your dentist <laughs> I asks do now. you, when your dentist asks you, do you floss every day? And you go, yeah, I do. You're fucking straight okay. up lying. There, You're lying right. to your dentist. That's what you do. I like Everybody. that because that jogs one for me in that I'm just, you know, when I go to have the checkup and they're like, how many alcoholic beverages would you say you consume on average? One or like two. that <laughs> thing ain't getting filled out accurately, bro. Like oh, that ain't getting filled out accurately. Like, that's a great answer. You know what, John, in the military, we have, uh, these periodic health assessments, we do them every year. We have to go through like a physical with doctors. We get blood drawn. We get our immunizations. We talk to counselors. There is this little bubble sheet that we always have to fill out, right? And it always asks those questions. One of the yeah. questions is, do you think it, what, by, by today's standards, did, did your parents beat you, basically, is the question when you were a kid. <laughs> and, you have to put, like, and I always put yes Yes, by today's standards, my parents beat me. Yes, they did. Absolutely. Um, and that made but, me the quality man that I am today. That's yeah. right. But that's then so there's funny. always that question. How many drinks do you have in, you know, one sitting or, you know, one night? Well, it's, like, a, it's like, uh, maybe, maybe it's like one, one to two. two times a month, one to two times a week, uh, one to two a day. 
Yeah. On a, yeah. On a regular yeah. on a regular time drinking, is it one to two, two to <laughs> yeah. four? How many drinks four do you have? Right? Yeah. It, like, nobody ever tells the truth. <laughs> You're like, right. Uh... That's hilarious, man. That is a <laughs> yeah. fantastic answer, especially yeah. being in the military. And we, yeah. I love that answer. I love yes. that. And the last one, you don't have to go too deep into this one. You could just go ahead and spit it out. Go ahead. I know you've Who been asked. Who are it. the four faces on John Morgan's MMA? Mount Rushmore. So it's a tough one, right? Uh, because people, you know, typically like to just pick out like the four greatest fighters that they think. But one thing that I always think is interesting, um, and I've never been to Mount Rushmore, but one thing that always sticks with me when you talk about Mount Rushmore is it's supposed to be different eras, right? Like the whole thing was supposed to represent different eras. So I, I think of it that way. You got to put Hoist Gracie on there. There's absolutely no way you can't. You got to have Hoist Gracie on there. I would say I would have Ronda Rousey on there, man. You look at what a big portion women's mma is in the sport today and it doesn't exist without her um i would probably say fedor emelianenko as well just to have like that kind of like that pride to represent what a big part of of that sport that it was and then it gets tough because now i mean you just have a pioneer in the ufc now now you're going to talk about maybe i'm gonna say anderson silva i'm gonna say anderson silva because you got to talk about i mean and and that's horrible because now i don't have chuck liddell on there you know who that who was definitely represented that era as well, but I but I gotta have some Brazilian influence in there as well to represent that country. So yeah, that's that's what I go with. And, and, and it's a tough one, man, because I feel like I'm leaving people off right there. But I would I would say Hoist, Fedor, Anderson, and uh, Ronda Rousey. Fantastic! I love the way you went with that. You know, your pioneer. I mean groundbreakers is what you kind right. of went with right yeah. there. the ones that yeah. paved the way for everyone else not just the four best i yeah. love that i love yeah, that you say john jones you could say saint pierre you know Easy. there's a lot of conor mcgregor yeah, conor mcgregor you know yeah. but yeah i, I kind of like because that's kind of you know mount rushmore's kind of like founding forefathers and stuff right so who kind of broke through and and paved the way, as you said. That's that's yeah. what I'm going with. Yeah. And some some might put Cyborg on there over mm. Rousey because Cyborg was doing it before Rousey. And I remember when Rousey won the 135 title in Strike Force, and on the microphone she said, "Chris Cyborg, where are you?" I am paraphrasing, but she was like, "I'll fight you in the back. I'll fight you in the parking lot. I'll fight you wherever mm-hmm. I want." You know, she wanted Chris Cyborg. And they just never fucking made that fight. No, no. I, that's the one that like got away. And there's a bonus eleventh question. Yep. We because had, Big yep. Ben, Big Ben Vanaski, minus one percent owner of this show. Yep. Ben Vanaski wants me to ask you this: If Ben, <laughs> if ben sees Kobe Covington, what will what happen? will happen? He's going to smash him. He, he wants me to lay it out. He's going to smash him. He has told me, like, he is not a fan of Kobe Covington. He does not appreciate the way Kobe has treated me uh, from time to time. And he promises if he sees him, it's on site. He's going to smash him right there. Big Ben is a crazy yep. son of a bitch, and we yep. love him on this but, show. You know, he loves who he loves. You know he what? Does. He he is a dedicated person, and he's a very good person. And uh, I yep. thank him right now for putting this all together because without Ben, there wouldn't be this show right now, you know? So, so thank you, Ben, for that. Yeah, true. He's a, he's a, he is a loyal son of a bitch, that big Ben. And, uh, we get to see him every time we go to a BKFC event because he's putting the ring together and he's doing all the, yeah, he's, he's got, he's got a ring card girl sitting on his lap, you know, (laughs) anyways, 
John, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on the show tonight. Driving the us, truck is very dangerous. Yeah, it gave us 90 minutes of your life, and we really appreciate that. Um, I hope that you get yourself out to a BKFC event live sometime soon, man. I hope we're there to have a beer with you at that time. You're going to absolutely love – you're going to love it live. So yes. we'll, uh, we'll make yes. it happen. We'll make it happen. All right. And, you know, and, and that's all I got, Mike. You got anything for John? John, thank you so much. And like Kyle said, I cannot wait to see you at a live event. We got to see you there. You know, we'll, we'll talk all about BKFC and introduce you to some good people. And, uh, you know, uh, hopefully we can get you back on here and, and talk to you again in, in a few months and just keep on rolling. Uh, this is a great sport. Uh, we love combat sports just like you do. So we're really glad that we linked up here because I think, uh, I think that BKFC is growing. It's going to become something huge. And, I, and I'm glad that you've taken a uh, liking to it. And I can't wait to see what the future brings for the sport, really. Awesome. So thank I you. Appreciate you guys. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me. And we'll make sure when I make it out to the event, it's one that you guys are going to be at too. We'll get together and have a couple of frosty beverages. All yes, right, sir. buddy. Thank you for your time. And uh, if you have any last words for the BKFC fans that are on here that may not know you, if they don't know you, we'll slap them when we see them on site, yeah. just like <laughs> Big Ben. But uh, go ahead and say your last words, and we'll let you get out of here, man. Yeah, awesome, man. If, if you're new to the MMA game, definitely you know hit me up. I'm, I'm always happy to talk uh, combat sports. And, uh, yeah, John Morgan MMA on Instagram, John Morgan underscore MMA on Twitter. And, uh, yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. All right. Appreciate it, man. We'll see you down the road. See you, guys. Later. Later, man. All right. Whew. There is uh big John Morgan, the fucking one of the man. top dogs, man. One of the top yeah. dogs in the uh combat sports journalist world, you know. It's unreal. Yeah. That was an honor for me. I I I could like that was great. I you know people He's, and he said this recently I, I don't know if it was on a recent podcast i heard him say this because i listened to so many things of his in the last so many days and he was saying how and i think it, we were sitting i think it was today we were listening to something where he was saying how in combat sports it's so much different than other sports where everyone in the realm of you know ufc and bkfc like they're 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 popular because he was saying like as a journalist like some people want to come up to him and take pictures with him which is very odd because people don't do that in other sports or oh hey there's herb dean he's a referee big dan mergliata we got to take pictures with them yeah. like they're the famous people but that is how the sport is because it is very wild particular. there's only so many people who do things so they become part of the entire story and they become famous. Like you want to talk to, hey, here's uh, Bruce Buffer or you know Brittany Palmer. You know what I mean? It's like a whole right. thing. It, have it you really ever is. have you ever heard of anybody like asking the announcer at an NBA basketball game for a fucking photo? Or I don't even know any of them. Right? Or one of the NBA referees? Or you know what I mean? Like the only the only guy that I was remember Ed Hockley, the jacked fucking NFL yes, referee. Ed Hockley, yeah, Ed Hockley, doesn't his son? Like, uh, yeah, and now, now his son his son is a is a referee now. Like there's very few well, officials that? that you know. Like you just said, though, like when we go to events, people are taking pictures with with uh, Big Dan Mergliata. Like people want to get pictures, pictures with. <laughs> yeah, we're taking pictures with. People want to take pictures with Jeff Houston. You yeah. know what I mean? It's yeah. it's it's really yeah. unbelievable. And I will rainbow, say this about rainbow. when 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 I f first started the podcast, and I've you know I've told the story before, but like when I sat down on the couch and I messaged like almost 400 fighters, direct message, one at a time. 
asking them if they wanted to come on, like 40 wrote back and said yes. You know what I'm saying? Like 40 out of 400 is 10%, but that's like way – I didn't think I was going to get five people that would be interested in coming on the show. And all of a sudden, I had enough, I had enough people to do shows for a month. I'm like, whoa, I didn't expect that. What the fuck is going on here? This is insane. Because and now that we're in that community, what like we just said, everybody is just like willing to talk about it. You know what I mean? Yes, it is insane, really. I I I know everything about this is crazy. This was a fantastic night. This night, and you know, I always get like a minimal, like in the beginning when I was preparing for shows, like when we when we went to go talk to Nate Shuck, I was so nervous. At the beginning, it was like our first or second show. So nervous. I was like, oh my God, I'm fucking so nervous. I, I, we're going to screw up. Like, this is insane. I hope this goes well. I always have a healthy amount of butterflies, so to say. And any of any time we do the show, because I always want it to go good. I want people to enjoy it. I want us to get as much information. I don't want to miss anything. I, you know what I mean? That's how it always is. But there are certain people who come on the show that I, I get a little more, it's more like anxious and nervous at the same time. You know, it's like nerves, good nerves, you know, right. good butterflies. Tonight was one of those nights because it's like someone to me who is very important that I respect a lot is coming on here and giving us some time out of his busy schedule. Uh, and he doesn't have to do that. So it's like, you want to do the right thing when he comes on here. And I really do think that we provided a proper, uh, introduction for him to the bkfc world uh and our podcast so i really do think that we 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 hit the nail on the head today yeah you know what i gotta say to that mike it's a uh, shout out shout out let's go boy, boy? <laughs> oh hell yeah shout out let's go boy <laughs> i love that shit dude let's do it nah man it was a guy when no like we talked we talked to every fighter that we've talked to and like all the fighters there have been some that we were a little more anxious to talk about, obviously, for their stature in the combat sport world. Oh, yeah. But this guy is, a, a he's a, like he said tonight, he's covered thousands of events. He, You know what I mean? He, he's been ringside for some of the biggest moments in the history of the sport. Mm -hmm. He was probably sitting ringside when Khabib jumped over the fucking cage and jump kicked D dylan dennis you oh, know yeah. what i mean he was probably there when when cody, cody garbrandt was popping and locking and yeah and you know what i mean like he was oh, yeah. there in 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 fucking madison square garden when connor put on one of the most flawless performances in all of fighting history. he was there and this you know is why i mean wanted, we didn't that's get why to like we were like wow we're, we're gonna talk to a wealth of fucking knowledge and memories and and like the guy that's been there and done it so very cool man yeah really. i i uh you know there's so many things and i and then we got to get him back Shout out. let's we go could, boy we could we could talk to him for four more hours i, I mean know. we barely brush the surface we have so many things we could talk about about bkfc the intricacies of of ufc we could talk about just the media didn't even ask him about errol helwani didn't even ask him about uh, leaving running, MMA junkie, leaving MMA junkie, which he co-owned that mm -hmm. like there he's now he's at MMA underground. There's just so many things that we can talk about and we will. 
soon. <laughs> but what are we doing? Let's move on tomorrow to this night. tonight. And let's huge, talk about tomorrow. huge, huge night tomorrow. And guys, huge night. we're going to have four fucking great guests tomorrow. You're going to yep. want to tune in for these guests. I don't know if, Mike, I sent you the uh, image. Oh, I yeah. I have it. Yes, so, I do. So, guys, tomorrow night we got four four uh, great guests coming on. We're going to start the night off with one half of the main event, Mike, the Marine Richmond. Then we're going <laughs> to then we're going to talk to you, Martina, the vampire Kroll. I, yes. I call her the vampire. I It's just what I like to call her. But she has not been around. She's been out for far too long. Yes, she, she has. finally has an opponent. And Martina Kroll is back. She's going to be fighting in July. And she's coming back on the show. Travis, the animal Thompson, one of the pioneers of the BKFC. He is coming back. He's fighting Royal Ryan Reber. And... Josh Dyer in the co-main that same night. These guys are all fighting on the same night. <laughs> I know it. And Josh oh Dyer is fighting Jared Warren for the interim light heavyweight title. Now look at that lineup. Think about last Thursday's lineup on that sh on this show. We yeah. had Mundell, we had Jared Warren, we had Crystal Pittman, and we had Brandon Superman Allen. We had these four. They're all fighting July fourteenth. Go back to the other one. These guys are all fighting July 14th. And you want to know something else, people? We're giving away tickets to that event. Right, Mike? We are yes, giving we are. courtesy are. of Russ and Country over at Extreme BK Fans page. That is correct. Those fucking guys come through with the best shit. And we are we are going to have tickets to give away. And I believe tomorrow night will be the night that we should give them away. After two Thursdays in a row, we have eight unbelievable guests in two weeks, all fighting on the same card, July 14th. Tune in tomorrow night for the Marine, Martina Kroll, um, Martina Kroll Travis Thompson, and, J and Josh Dyer. And be ready to win yourself some fucking tickets. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Be, be, Russ and country are awesome. Can I just put that out there? These guys are fantastic. We never asked them to do any of these things. These guys just do things. As you heard, if you listen They're to the Bare Knuckle man. Show with Brian Sosha on BKFC app, Instagram, and also YouTube, if you were to listen to that and you or look, if you were to see, you would have seen that their picture is hanging right up over Brian's left shoulder, I think. And yeah. That, Two guys in red shirts. Yep. That's them. They're there. They're there. And he spoke about what they do and they show up and they support the fighters and they don't ask for anything in return. They just love the sport. They're getting belts made really, really nice belts. We've have held both belts. These belts, these new belts are very, very high quality. Very nice. A helping upgrade. They're bringing a freaking cooler. When I tell you this, they are carrying a cooler filled with Gatorade and ice and water and whatever else for the fighters yeah. to drink after they weigh in because that's how thoughtful and nice that these guys are. They provide all of these signed posters that they buy, they print it out, they go and get them signed, and then they give them to us, and they let us give them away to all the fans and bare knuckle for, of uh, BKFC and bare knuckle fighting championship – it is fantastic of them. We thank them it's so much. And uh, this is what we do to grow this sport. People recognize the community is tight. Okay. 
There's no room for haters. We need to grow this sport. It's time to freaking spread the word. So you get out there and yes, you share this podcast and you share extreme BK fans page stuff and you share everything that the fighters put out to everyone that doesn't know. And you let them know that the bare knuckle fighting championship is here to stay and it's growing. It's fantastic. And if you're not here, you're missing out. You better get on the bandwagon because this freaking thing is taken off like a fucking rocket ship. God damn it. Get on that wagon. Yep. Yep. We got to. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait to get to another live event so I can see these guys and freaking thank them in person again. Cause we, always, I mean, we always have a good time with them, but you know, they keep coming. They keep coming through for us and everyone with bare and knuckles comes great responsibility. That is right. <laughs> That's right. Hey, Never. so with that said, thank you so much to John Morgan. Uh, for coming on and giving us an hour and a half of his time. That was a fantastic uh, conversation. Yep. I can't wait to do it again sometime. Tune in tomorrow night at 9 p.m. when we're talking to the to the man himself, Mike, the Marine Richmond, and also Martina Kroll, Travis Thompson, and Josh Dyer. All unbelievable guests, very entertaining people, and it's going to be a good time tomorrow night. But yes. for that, with that, we want to thank you guys for all tuning in. Make sure you guys share this stuff up, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow night. Peace. Peace.